0: The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome into another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you and one of my draft guys. There are very few draft people whose opinions that I truly trust them to be uh, detailed and not just look for the hottest takes possible. Uh, that bring more information than you can generally find out there, and one of my favorites is John Ledyard, who is uh, from FanRag Sports. Also does the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. And John, I'm I'm very happy to have you, but I get you post combine, so I wonder if your like energy is going to be a little low here.
0: Oh no, I'm good. I'm good to go, man. Uh, it's good to be on. I always is always good to chat football with you. yeah, I'm excited draft time. Your energy just keeps peaking throughout draft season. There's there's the drop-off happens after the draft, and you're, like, dead for three weeks. But for now, I'm good to go.
1: You, you hit the wall, and then you just blast right through and get on to the next year. Well, uh, yeah. I, I see on Twitter almost every day you're posting different uh, clips and, and analysis that's all really good. And, and I end up being a draft expert just by reading your work. So it's, it's much appreciated, <laughs> and uh, people should go to at Ledyard NFL Draft is where you post a lot of your stuff if they want to check you yeah. out. So I've got offensive linemen to ask you about, which are a popular topic here in Minnesota, defensive linemen to ask you about at the draft quarterbacks as well, because you never know who's going to trade up to draft a quarterback. The Vikings could shock us. But before we get into all that, let me just ask your opinion on the Vikings quarterback situation here. It's uh, something we've been talking about for months and I'm sure I will get tweets, stop talking about it, but that's okay. Um, kirk cousins the vikings 30 million dollars people with broken knees i mean there's so many different parts to this the browns just acquired tyrod taylor so they're out of the mix for kirk cousins where do you stand on what the vikings should do or what's the most interesting part of this uh, vikings quarterback situation for you
0: well i think the the most interesting part is having three quarterbacks who other people might view as starters or potential starters on your roster and being ready to move on from all three of them, which I think actually might not even be a bad decision for Minnesota. You know, when you think about it, when you look at their options, you know, they have the money to be able to sign Cousins. And, you know, if that's the case, they should go for it because uh, he's better than the three guys on the roster now. Obviously, Bradford's health may rule him out for playing again. We're not sure the extent of things, but the word on the street is kind of that he might be cooked at this point in his career. Uh, Bridgewater, it seems like, is the one that's came back from a serious injury and, he could potentially buy to be a starter again. I think his best bet may be to sign in Minnesota on a short type of deal unless they were to shell out a lot of money and a long-term for Cousins, in which case I'm not sure whether he's going to be able to see the field. So it's kind of a weird situation for Bridgewater. No one knows anything about like No one knows where he'll be, like what kind of a player he'll be when he gets back in a game. I mean, he played very, very sparingly this past year. and you know, So it's just kind of a total unknown. Um, You know, he's clearly a a starting quarterback in the NFL if he is fully healthy, but there's just no way of knowing whether he will be or not. So um, what he's going to be like as a quarterback is something I hope we get to see again because I really liked Bridgewater before the injury, and now I just don't know what to expect from him. And I think it's not even that Cousins is elite or anything like that. I think it's more that he is more than good enough to win if, you know, if you have all the other pieces in place. And that's what Minnesota has in place. You know, if he goes to Denver, I like Denver's team, you know, but I don't know that they're good enough in the AFC, even though the AFC's weak. I don't know that they're good enough to win it all or to compete for it all or be in an AFC championship game with Cousins at the helm. And, you know, Minnesota, even though the NFC's tougher, Minnesota's roster's so good and so well-built, and they've drafted so well, and they've handled the cap well and all those things. I mean, Spielman's one of the best. And I think that that uh, move like Cousins could be all that it takes to put them in position to win it all to be honest
1: so if they do not land kirk cousins and he decides that the new york jets money is just so green and wonderful (laughs) he doesn't want one helicopter he wants three helicopters so he's going to (laughs) go to the new york jets then that leaves the vikings with these other options and one of them that's on the table in my mind is one of the three quarterbacks coming back but on sort of the alex smith plan in kansas city last year where you have Alex Smith but you draft Patrick Mahomes you trade up for him and then you know this is probably a one-year solution and you're passing the ball in the future I I think that that might be their backup option now let's talk about the quarterbacks in the draft because I think it is relevant I saw that the Vikings met with Baker Mayfield and that that becomes a real possibility because of where their team is that there aren't 10 needs that you have to fill at positions uh, you could find those in free agency. If you weren't spending on the quarterback, I love to talk about this quarterback class, John. I mean, it it just, it is fascinating, man. And the, the, the place to start for me is Lamar Jackson because I've watched the most Lamar Jackson and I have no sense for where he's going to end up being taken, whether all yep. of the wide receiver stuff is a smoke screen to try to get him to drop or if he's actually going to be around toward the end of that first round.
0: I think he might be around toward the end of the first round, but the wide receiver stuff is still a screen. You know, he's definitely a quarterback. The NFL definitely sees him as a quarterback. You know, he'll get the chance to play and be evaluated as a quarterback. It is hard to tell where the NFL is on him, per se, in terms of specifics. Uh, you know, I feel like he won't go top 10 probably, but at the same time, I feel like he is a guy that could go toward the end of the first round. You know, teams want that fifth year option on the contract. They want to be able to, especially with a guy like Jackson, who's going to need a little bit of time and development. But, I mean, he is an incredible athlete, and he also has a good enough arm to make throws to all levels of the field. I think he needs to improve his accuracy outside the numbers and stand down the field. But I think that, you know, he does have a lot of traits that you want, and he's shown a ton of development recently. You know, he's a guy that I would describe as an ascending player. So I think that's what you're looking for at the quarterback position. And the things he can do with his leg, really, I mean, it, those can't really be overstated because, you know, it's so hard if you play man coverage against them and you, you don't have a spy, you know, you may have to commit a spy to it. It's one less guy in coverage. And so that just, you're playing man coverage with your back to the ball and he wants to take off and run, you know, good luck. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I saw college teams play contain, not even rush, just play contain on him with a spy to fill in the contain lanes when he scrambled and he still got out and made things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he's that level of an athlete. He can do those kind of things and I just think that's going to be a real asset. And if he continues to develop as a passer, he's never going to be the most accurate guy. And that is a big draw. That's why I don't have a first round read on him. But I think that there are so many other traits and factors that he can give your team that is going to make him a really exciting choice of quarterback for somebody.
1: What stands out to me too, is that even though he's a running quarterback, I, what, the games that I've watched, I haven't seen him just panic and run at the first sign of trouble. I mean, there'll right. be there'll be pressure, and he'll if he escapes the pocket, it's eyes down the field. And if it's you know pressure from the outside, there there isn't like that crazy footwork you see from some guys or just winging it or anything like that. He seems to hang in there, and yeah, I agree with you on some of those throws to the sidelines that maybe there isn't as much gas as there needs to be. And um, maybe that's a mechanical thing. But uh, I really like the idea if he does drop into the first round and the Vikings haven't landed cousins at that point of very seriously considering him, because it also sounds like his football character is really high as well.
0: You know, I know that we all there's always going to be somebody going to always try and stir the pot on quarterbacks, characters and things like that. And uh, Baker Mayfield's done a couple of things maybe that deserve some of that criticism, but, you know, Josh Rosen gets it and, and deserves none of it and hasn't done anything. You know, Baker Mayfield's really, the, the positives in him def- definitely get left out of the picture. And, you know, Darnold's paint, painted as the saint kind of the class. And but I even think the guys like, you know, Josh Allen who is a little bit further in other areas, than, further behind in other areas that I would like him to be. Uh, I just think all these guys have great, good makeups and good heads on their shoulders, you know, good leadership. You know, obviously, Some have more to learn than others at the next level, and we'll see how that developmental curve takes place. But, I mean, I really do think that there are a lot of traits there that are worth continuing to develop in all these guys, and they have the leadership and the work ethic um, and just the demeanor in general that you want from a quarterback that tells you they're going to succeed at the next level.
1: Uh, I'm tired of Josh Rosen caring about the environment, man. That's (laughs) You know, that's uh, just like he he, global warming and all that. Come on. Come on, Josh. Stop caring (laughs) about other people as if – caring about right. other people is some sort of negative. Uh, he's yeah. he's the oddest, but I think that it's the same thing with him. I, I think that he's going to go at the very top, and so I haven't really thought about him as a possible guy to drop. If it's not Jackson, who's the other guy that is being talked about at the very top that could drop? Because I can't help but remember Jimmy Clausen and some of the TV experts saying, Clawson's number one. He's number one overall pick, and then we get to day two, and we don't see him until then. So is there? Is it? Is it Baker Mayfield's cocky attitude? Is it Josh Allen's lack of a lot of quarterbacking things like accuracy and pocket presence? Uh, he's a frustrating one to watch on tape, isn't he? I mean, just, yeah. like, throw the ball sometimes. Right. And, and, yeah,
0: there's a mix of different things in the evaluation process. I think you're right. I feel very comfortable saying Donald and Rosen are going to go very high in the draft. Josh Allen could go at one, and it wouldn't shock me, and he could fall in the first round, and it wouldn't shock me. He has a little bit of a wild card, but to be honest, I say it wouldn't shock me. I think it would a little bit, actually, if any of those top four guys, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, uh, Sam Darnold, or, or Josh Rosen, I think if any of those four guys fell very far, you know, especially in the range of the Vikings are picking in, I would be pretty shocked, um, you know, and I think I think Lamar Jackson's got a great chance to go off the board before the Vikings pick, and I think, that, uh, that, that Mason Rudolph, you never know where he's going to factor in. I mean, it, it could happen sooner than you think, even though I think he's more of a mid-round type player. But, um, you know, you, you never know where NFL teams are thinking exactly. We've heard a lot of different reports. Uh, some people have, have said they think Mason Rudolph could get into the first round. We heard a lot of other reports that the NFL doesn't think he's better than like a third-round grade. So, you know, remember we heard Davis Webb was going to go first round last year. We heard Nathan Peterman was going to go first round last year. We heard a lot of different things. We heard Brad Kaya was, at one point Brad Kaya was in contention for the number one overall pick. So the media has the tendency to be way off on a lot of these things. And last year wasn't the first year that was true either. So, you know, we, we're going to hear a lot. We're probably going to hear more about quarterbacks going high than we will about them falling. But what typically ends up happening, I think, is that those guys that we thought were on the fringe don't really get pushed into the first round after all. Now, they may go second round, things like that, but I don't think that you're going to see many. You know, I, so it wouldn't, if I had to guess, I would say Mason Rudolph doesn't go first round. And, you know, I think Lamar Jackson has a chance to go first round just because I think if, if a team fights there could be a team that falls in love with The type of skills that he has, the way to pretend to give you. But if he falls out, it won't surprise me either of the other four. I think they're locks to go in the first round. You know, I could see Josh Allen sliding a little bit, and I could see Baker Mayfield's character rubbing some teams the wrong way, maybe, uh, just his kind of attitude and demeanor in general. But I think Rosen and Donald are for sure going high in the draft.
1: I'm glad you brought up, brought up Brad Kaya. He was one that last year when I – because I, I like to watch I, – I like to watch as many guys as I can, maybe a game or two here or there, just to get an idea that the Vikings might be interested in. But Kaya – was a baffling one to me when I watched. Uh, Stacy Coley was his, one of his top wide receivers, mm-hmm. and so the Vikings drafted him. And I watched a lot of him in the off season, and just like did not see it at all with Brad Kaya. So I guess yeah. it, it made sense that uh, that he right. dropped. But let me uh, let me ask you about this offensive line class because I, I get the impression that if you want a guard, which the Vikings probably do that you are going to have some choices at the end of the first round. And uh, it seemed to me that Will Hernandez came away from the NFL Combine as the winner there.
0: Yeah, he was definitely one of the guys for sure. Um, You know, the Combine, he was good at the Senior Bowl. You know, he's a guy that's going to impress a lot of people in the interview room. I think he's you know all-football business type of guy, intense. He has the demeanor that you want in an offensive lineman. Uh, He's a finisher. He is best fit, I think, in a gap power scheme. I do think he has more versatility than maybe we're giving him credit for. He could do some zone stuff, too. The Vikings are kind of a mix right now. You know, they put in more zone concepts because Dalvin Cook prefers that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but then he got hurt, and that's not Latavius Murray's bread and butter necessarily. So they had to do a couple different things, um, you know, last year. And it will still probably be pretty multiple with the Filipo coming in. You know, he they were very multiple in, uh, in um, Philadelphia. So I think that, you know, he'll draw from some of that probably. Um, but, you know, I think that... He is an option for the Vikings, for sure, in the first round. Um, you know, Isaiah Wynn's an option for the Vikings in the first round. And you know, Wynn's draft stock is interesting because he has the shoulder tear and he, he got surgery for it. And, you know, I think that that's something that, that will plague him for a little while. But it sounds like he got it early enough that he should be good to go by camp. But, you know, he's a shorter offensive lineman. I think he's like 6'2", something, you know, and he's not the longest guy. He's extremely technical. His tape is really, really good. But teams with size preferences and things like that may – sour on him a little bit at least as a first round pick so he could slide and he's a guy that i think is one of the best players in the class so minnesota might have a couple options in the back end of the first round. this might be you know pretty nice territory for them to be selected from their pool of needs
1: isaiah Wynn has really caught my eye i was just watching the other day the uh, national championship game and focusing on him and i thought he did just a spectacular yeah. job in that game and yep when you talk about you know more about the the technique and everything else but i'm just watching him play after play not get beat not lunging you know driving guys back finishing too it seems like there's a, enough of a of a a grit factor to him that's necessary and the undersized thing catches my ear because when i look at the vikings offensive line and how it was designed to run that zone scheme they cut alex boone so they could have nick easton play left guard even though he had never really played left guard before because they liked his mobility they liked him as a better athlete and, and better in that zone scheme so it's possible that when could could fit in there, and also, right? It, it seems that a lot of people really like Billy Price, but we didn't get to see a whole lot of him at, at the combine.
0: Yeah, and he didn't do senior bowl either. But we've seen a lot on tape. I think he started more games than any other Iowa State offensive lineman, and he's put put, put forth some pretty good tape. I do worry a little bit about him translating to the next level. I don't think he's a great athlete or the biggest guy. It's very technical, but in pass protection, he lets guys get on his edge and under his pads sometimes, and has some issues. I definitely think he's behind those other two guys and the other interesting name for all this is James Daniels uh from Iowa because Daniels obviously a center at Iowa but you know Alphine's played guard before and you know he was okay this past year but you know he may they may feel like he'd be best at a guard he doesn't have to handle you know guys right off the snap and guys getting under his pads and he has a little more time to set up maybe and work with techniques on his shoulders a little bit more and so maybe they feel like that might be a better role for Alphine and maybe Daniels goes to center, or maybe Daniels goes to guard and Alphine goes to center. But either way, Daniels is you know very experienced athletic center who moves really, really well. His combine was really impressive. His tape's impressive. He's really good at getting down to the second level. And if you remember, you know the key piece really to Philadelphia's rushing attack last year was Jason Kelsey and, and his ability to get down to the second level, move in space, and reach guys. So I think the guy that's not being talked about enough to Minnesota is James Daniels. I just think his fit makes a ton of sense. And if they feel like, you know, this is all depending on what the organization feels like on the inside, if they feel like Alfline can be a guard for them and they can get better play out of line at guard and better play out of their center spot by using Daniels there, I think DeFilippo might stand on the table for that kind of a pick because he knows how important having a really flexible pivot is. And I think that he could really prefer what Daniels does in the back end of the first round. So that's an interesting spot for the Vikings that... I don't know that a lot of people are projecting Daniels to them, but I think he makes a lot of sense.
1: I think that they were very happy with Pat Elfline, and they look at him as a player who's going to be here for a really, really long time. But one thing that I know about Mike Zimmer is that he doesn't get locked into anything. That, Uh, you know, last year in the playoffs – When they had Nick Easton get hurt, they moved Mike Remmers to guard, and I asked him, so what's the thinking behind that? And he basically said, I'm trying to get the most talent on the field, so I'm going to make a change there. And, And the same thing with... Uh, they had to eat a lot of dead cap to get rid of Alex Boone, but it was the right move up front. So it's very possible that if there's a better center, and, and Elfline was a spectacular guard in his junior year, right? So, yeah, right. so I think that these guys can, can do anything. I like that idea for the Vikings in the at the bottom of the first round because the class seems to be really strong. The tackle class, and maybe this is a year, yearly thing, where tackle is just so hard to play that everyone looks bad in some way or another. Um, but Orlando Brown had a really tough time at the combine. Uh, mm. Connor Williams, it seemed like, came away with a good combine, but didn't have his grade of tape last year. And Colton Miller, for a guy who's like 19 feet tall, seemed to have a, a, a really good combine. So where do we stand right now? on this tackle class, and do you see, because I think it's possible the Vikings could draft a tackle and keep Mike Remmers at guard, so do you see uh, some of these tackles being starters at the next level, or is it anybody good is going to go really high?
0: I do think McGlinchey is going to be the first tackle off the board, probably before the Vikings pick, I'm sure. Um, I think Colton Miller also will go in the first round. Arizona is a potential landing spot for him if McGlinchey's off the board. I wouldn't be surprised if those are your first two tackles off the board. Uh, you know, I think Colton Miller's tape has its inconsistencies for sure. Uh, when I watch him, I see a guy that, in his footwork, he needs to improve out of his stance and his drive catch and things like that. Um, are really exploding out and reaching his set points. Um, uh, but he, I liked him more than I thought I would. To be honest, I, I didn't think I would. I didn't think I would like him much. Um, because usually those higher cut, you know, taller offensive tackles have a hard time against power, and he does on an occasion, but. No, I do think that he's a guy that uh, will go in that range. I have him in the third round, but tackles always get pushed up the board, uh, so it doesn't mean much, you know. So I think both those guys end up going I think Orlando Brown will fall, you know, probably to the third round at least, if not maybe further, not just because of the combine, but the tape was smart from perfect anyway. It was just kind of that nobody really has separated themselves clearly as the best tackle in this class. And so I think that kind of everybody had thrown them all in a group together in the conversation, and usually if they're in the conversation with the top guys, that you're you're going to go first round most people probably didn't have a first round grade on them but just the needed tackle pushes them up the board and so you know, i probably won't have any first round grades on a tackle in this class uh that doesn't necessarily mean they're all bad it just you know if i'm giving first round grades out i like that to be like all pro type players pro bowl type players you know and then your solid starters and strong starters and your solid starters in the second and into the third rounds are where you're really going to find those kind of capable guys and there's a bunch of those i think you know, the depth of the class is pretty decent just the high-end talent is really lacking it's kind of the you know, complete opposite of last year's class or at least how I thought I, I liked the top three tackles a lot in last year's class and after that I thought there were one or two guys worth taking in the middle rounds and that was like it you know I mean so I think it's very different from last year's class there's a lot of uh, beef in the middle maybe but I think at the, at the top it's definitely a little bit lacking so it's, it's good news for a team like Minnesota you know if, if, as long as teams aren't reaching for them you know because in the first round they could have some some a number of options on the board and you know for other teams that may need one as well you know the Texans I think about don't pick until the third round uh you know they're a team that desperately needs offensive line help and so for those teams like that it's kind of good that the middle is thicker than the, than the top I think but those guys do tend to get pushed up the board so you have to think about that as well
1: so I think that um tackle guard are the very top for the Vikings. And then yep. next is interior defensive line uh, because Tom Johnson is a free agent. He's also 34 years old. Uh, Jaleel Johnson flashed in preseason but didn't get much opportunity uh, in the regular season to play. Shamar Steffen is also a free agent, and I think that they would love to find what they lost in Sharif Floyd, unfortunately, because of his career ending or, so Ooh. it seems, uh, injury. Right. And when I look at this class – the guy that stands out to me is the guy with the heart issue (laughs) because I mean Maurice Hurst fits exactly what the Vikings like for that three technique spot a little bit undersized beats guys to the quarterback he seems to be quick Uh, but if there's an issue with him and he can't be a first round pick because of the heart issue who is next for you that could potentially fit there for that uh, three technique spot
0: I mean, yeah, there's no question if Maurice Turst is healthy and there isn't an issue there. And we don't really know much of anything. I mean, remember Starlu Delele a couple of years ago had a pretty similar situation and then ended up being completely fine, you know, but, you know, so it didn't end up affecting his status. But he didn't work out at the combine because of something like this. So it could just be precautionary with Herst, though as far as we know. And hopefully it is because, you know, to me, he's 100% a top-10 talent in this class. And if he were there for Minnesota, that would just be an unbelievable steal because he's so talented as a player. So. Um, I think if he's not on the board, you really, the options do become a lot thinner because a lot of the other guys are not, you know, my other top guys anyway, are not true three techniques and don't really fit with Minnesota one. So I would almost probably wait it out. A guy like Nathan Shepard from Fort Hay State is really interesting. Tore up the senior bull, highly athletic, has a terrific frame, unbelievable motor, has no idea what he's doing on tape, you know, just a really highly athletic guy built? I mean, he's a brick house of 315 pounds. I mean, his body fat is just, there can't be hardly any I mean, he You don't see many guys with his type of ability, his type of frame, and play with his type of energy and pace. So he's a really, really interesting player. I, I put him in the third round because the ceiling is just crazy. His tape, you know, he's playing against guys at four-day state. So, I mean, it's really hard to get a great feel for him. He only practiced one day at the senior bowl, and He was totally dominant. He'd be like every single person he went up against. You know, variety of pass rush moves. His hands were violent. He's so intense on a snap-to-snap basis. A Zimmer is going to love him, I think. It just depends on where he feels comfortable selecting a three technique. If he feels like he can wait until that point because you've got guys like Vita Vea and you've got guys like Derek Naughty and uh, even Deron Payne, you know, he may may fit into a role like that better than he does in those, and I think he will, but he's still a guy that's really inconsistent on tape, pad level technique, things like that. Uh, I think... You know, Zimmer's going to like him because he's definitely a dog. He's physical and he runs hard, plays hard. Um, so he may be a developmental option because of that. And I do think there's a decent chance he's on the board in that range. But, you know, there's some things, some inconsistencies on tape with Payne that really worry me. So, you know, a guy like Shepard later in the draft could make a lot of sense for Minnesota. No idea what his draft range is because I think teams are really intrigued. But not being able to go the whole week at the Senior Bowl was definitely a loss for him because seeing him against better competition would have been great. But like I said, the one day he did practice, he was absolutely killing dudes out there.
1: So with uh, Taven Bryan and Harrison Phillips, either of those guys, uh, are they more of nose tackles to you?
0: No, Bryan's a good option for them, I think. I do really feel like he's going to be probably off the board in this class mm. you, before they pick, but if he isn't, uh, he's a good option for them too. Uh, really interesting player. He doesn't really always play as athletic. I mean, he's quick off the ball. doesn't always really play as athletic as what his combine performance said. So, if they can get that out of him and get him to play a little bit lower and with more flexibility, that's a big win for the Vikings, I think. So he's definitely an option. Uh, Harrison Phillips to me is like a, a midday three player, to be honest. I know mm-hmm. the hype kind of about him because he is a he's a hustle guy uh, who plays really hard um, and, and is literally a genius uh, at Stanford. And so uh, there's a lot of intrigue around him and his story, I think, and the way that he plays. Um, but I, you know, there's just not enough athleticism there. He doesn't really offer much as a pass rusher. He's not an explosive guy at all either, so there's too many limitations for me to feel really great about taking him to be anything other than like a backup spot starter type role. Hmm,
1: that's interesting The because uh, I have seen different opinions on him, and he has mm-hmm. a little bit more production than some of the other guys, but as we've learned from uh, Daniel Hunter, that doesn't always mean a whole lot. Maybe, maybe you could explain that real quick about just the production and traits and how, how these teams kind of balance some of these things at, at all the positions.
0: Yeah, I think it is interesting because everybody's different. You know, the Vikings are not scared off by a lack of production or anything like that, I think, which is goes to their credit, to be honest, I think, for the most part. So uh, I think that teams value those things definitely a little bit differently uh, in terms of whether they're looking more traits or whether they're looking more at production. And some teams really care about, like the Steelers, for example, they're going to draft power five guys in the first round. You know, that's what they're going to do. So – I think that uh, it really does depend on the team, the administration. Uh, everybody sees things a little bit differently, I think, but the Vikings are one that's definitely they're not afraid to take chances on guys with questionable production if they think they're highly athletic and play the game the right way and you know have the ability to be coachable because how many guys have they taken and developed on that defense? You mentioned Tom Johnson. I mean, he's the perfect you know, perfect little Mike Zimmer project, isn't he? I mean guy was nothing. Then they build him into a pass rusher. Then they build him into a run defender. He has a career year going into his contract year. You know, becomes a a much better player than anyone kind of ever anticipated of being Uh, and is really, right now, I think, one of the more underrated players in the league. So, you know, I think that the Vikings are not scared off by that kind of stuff which is why a guy like Cave and Brian could make a lot of sense for them, I think. Uh,
1: zero first-round picks playing on the Vikings' defensive line that ranked uh, number one in the league. How about that? And yeah, with, uh, right. with Tom Johnson, I, I can tell you that uh, when I talk to somebody about the details of the game. He is uh, among the absolute best. So it's a total mm-hmm. Zimmer guy, a bright guy uh, that does go under the radar because the other big names. So now you mentioned uh, a, a saying that uh, football people use: "Stand on the table for a guy," which just means mm-hmm. that uh, you're you're willing to fight for that guy because you believe in him. So who's yours in this draft class that you feel like, whether it's sort of on Twitter or people that you talk to, where you're always saying, hey, don't, don't overlook this guy. I'm standing on the table for him this year.
0: Uh, to me, it's Sony Michelle, the running back from Georgia. Mm. I think he's an absolute star. I think he's one of the top ten players in this class. Um, I, the fumbling issues are literally like the only thing about his game that I even have reservations about. I mean, he has the burst. He has enough long speed he's elusive in space when he, they did use him as a receiver he caught the ball really well his routes are way more polished than people know because they used DeAndre Swift a lot as a receiver this past year just to be able to give Michelle and Chubb some rest um so and because Swift is incredibly talented you know as a freshman so i think because of that Michelle's flown under the radar and because he shared a backfield with Nick Chubb you know people mm-hmm. just they kind of slap the thunder and lightning tag on and then they just kind of thought forgot to look and see you know what you mentioned about labels you know they just forgot to look and see michelle actually is thunder and lightning you know and uh, i like nick chubb a lot too but michelle's just another level of player in terms of the, how dynamic he is and explosive he is the big plays he creates i mean people will say he didn't carry the full load well he actually did when chubb went down with a knee injury a couple of years ago and he went for 100 yards and i think seven of the nine games that he started in and it was completely dominant during that time and then he shared the backfield with chubb the next two seasons and he averaged absurd numbers per touch both as a receiver and as a rusher um and it just kind of flew into the radar because chubb you know was having tons of success as well and so i think to be honest that michelle's up there with the top backs in this class he has the same grade right now for me as saquon barkley and both of those guys are behind darius geist for me so i'm definitely uh, off the beaten path with my running back rankings in terms of the way that i see him but you know to me michelle's as talented as anybody in this class and i think that He's going to be an absolute star in the NFL.
1: Well, Michelle reminds me a little bit of when uh, uh, I watched Alvin Kamara at uh, Tennessee. It was like nobody can tackle him. I mean, the, right. and, and he didn't get all the touches either, Kamara, Tennessee. But all, also, like, in the NFL, how many running backs get all the touches these days? LaShawn McCoy, David Johnson, you know, maybe Delvin Cook will. But for the most part, if you've got – I mean, look at Philadelphia. They had three running backs who could play. They had a, a right. good running back situation, and then went and added a star running back. So I mean, more yeah. guys touching the ball. Uh, Mark Ingram's a great player, and they went out and added Kamara. So I think that if you're putting more playmakers out there who can do a lot of things, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I, I'm with you on that. Um, now I, I don't, I, I don't know about the idea of drafting someone like Barkley super high, though. I mean, it seems like that the, a lot yeah. of the conversation, especially after the combine is that he could be the number one overall pick i think anytime you're talking about a running back there that's just crazy
0: yeah it's really the whole barkley thing is really funny and really weird because here's the guy who was you know obviously bill is the top player in the draft but everybody thought he'd be a free cafe right then he goes and he tests like exactly how people thought he would and now everybody wants to like move him up the board you know well why he didn't show you it just goes back to the old adage don't count it twice for the combine and that's what people yeah. are doing for some reason with him, you know, but you shouldn't. I mean, it makes no sense to count it twice in his situation um, because you already knew he was a great athlete. You know, that's, there's no surprise there. And so you've got to take what you don't know about his game and what you want to see improve about his game and then project that into the next level. And so that's the big thing with me. Obviously, he's an insane talent, but you want to see the rest of the stuff develop in his game too.
1: John, spectacular stuff as always. And people should uh, make sure that they check out your Twitter is where you post all your stuff from Fan rag Sports. You also do the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Uh, it's Ledyard L-E-D-Y-A-R-D NFL Draft on Twitter. Um, any any um, any any storylines just for you? What's number one for the storyline for you? Just before I let you go, for as we go well, into the draft,
0: this is the quarterbacks all off season. You know the guys mm-hmm. moving around. You know, really the whole off season in general. It's going to be. I think, and already has been. You know, I've said this since the beginning, uh, since before the, the playoffs even ended. But for me, it's going to be one of the most compelling off seasons in years, and I think the quarterback movement is going to just kind of transform the league in the way that it looks. But also, there's if these quarterbacks, you know, five guys, maybe even a sixth guy, you know, somewhere in this class land in the right spots, we could have the next great wave of quarterbacks. You know, they they're not all finished products, but there's a ton of talent here, and there's a ton of exciting type players all of them are gunslingers all of them are smart all of them put you know put their money where their mouth is with the game on the line you know, all of those guys are like that so if they land in the right spots i think you could have five or six guys from this class that are your transformational-type players at the NFL level, which makes it really fun.
1: Well, you're making me like the idea of signing back Bridgewater or Bradford and trading up for a guy, but maybe it'll be a lot mm-hmm. harder to trade up for a guy with a class this good. So, John, awesome work, and uh, I hope we can get together again maybe one more time. I know I see on Twitter that you've always got uh, radio requests and things like that, which is a good sign, but uh, maybe we can get yeah. together one more time before the Vikings pick.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Really All appreciate it, man. hope we can.
1: All right, again, make sure you follow him on Twitter and FanRag Sports Lockdown NFL Drafts podcast as well. And thanks always for listening to the Purple Podcast.
0: Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or mac and cheese with Murray's English cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone get
1: more ways to save at the buy five or more save one dollar each sale just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card bakers fresh for everyone